ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Let's Level Up podcast. My name is Rick Perez, and I am joined today by Mr. Aaron Brosman. He is the creative director at Arcane Wonders. And before we really get to Aaron, I just wanted to say um, this past weekend, uh, we're recording this on April 8th. Um, to give you a little bit of the uh, timeline here. But this past weekend was the International Tabletop Day, and uh, I just want to quickly thank War Dogs Gaming for having us out there on Saturday. Um, we spent about 13 hours playing as many games as we possibly could. Um, we played quite a bit of Mage Wars. We played some Betrayal at House on the Hill, some King of Tokyo, and it's so many games to really list them all. And I uh, got to teach a lot of people a lot of really fun games and um, had a blast. So thank you. Um, Israel and Zach for having us out there. It means a lot to us, and hopefully we can do it again before next year. That was a lot of fun. So, um, I think in the future we're probably going to have some Let's Play videos, um, specifically tabletop Let's Play videos shot on location at War Dogs, which should be a whole lot of fun, and maybe get some other guys that frequent the shop to be able to appear on the channel in these videos with us uh, because they are a, a pretty nice crazy group of guys which is a lot of fun to uh you know game with them that being said uh we are uh really excited to have aaron here with us today uh aaron you want to say hello buddy hello buddy <laughs> you know talks you know talks does the same thing i say hello say hello talks and he goes hello talks um i gotta i gotta figure out a new way to do my intro <laughs> you arcane wonder guys get me that every time we tried. It's, uh, it's actually on the application. Is it? <laughs> well, uh, like I was saying, Aaron, you're the creative director at Arcane Wonder, so maybe um, just kind of briefly tell the audience what exactly does that entail? Well, right now, uh, being the creative director at Arcane Wonders, it really focuses on three different areas. Um, the first one is uh, game design and uh, working on new games for us. Uh, when something, when someone comes to us with an idea, um, I'm one of the people who gets to, to see it pretty early. Generally, it's Brian and I um, look at new games. And then um, designing, uh, uh, like Mage Wars expansions, stuff like that, playtesting, um, that's all part of the design side. Mm -hmm. um, so in that, um, I get to be the playtester wrangler, as I like to call it. Um, they're a wonderful group of guys, and I love working with them. Um, but when you have so many different groups of people working all across the United States and even uh, in other countries, uh, like I know we have a guy in uh, England, and we have another gentleman, and I cannot remember to save my life which country he's from, but I believe it's the Czech Republic. Okay. Uh, so we have people all over the place. So, so coordinating them is sometimes... Uh, um, a task in and of itself sure. but um that's all part of the design side so that's um that's a big part of what i do um and the small part of what i do is uh, uh stuff online like i generally am a person who uh you know combs the forums and tries to see what our players are concerned about um you know what our players are talking about uh you know how things are going and kind of watching that stuff uh, so I get to do a little bit of forum moderation, which is something new for me, but uh, it's been pretty cool so far. Yeah, that's um, got to be fun, getting, your, thing, getting out there into the community. Oh, no, it's great. Yeah. Getting getting involved with these guys is fantastic. Um, I I got to talk to um, one of the guys who's kind of like Mage Wars Internet famous. 
<laughs> okay. Um, there's a guy on our there's a guy on our forums, and he has um, he has a uh, uh, YouTube channel where he just plays our game constantly. Nice. So he 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 plays all the time. He's a really cool dude. So I got to talk to him a bunch, um, and and that was pretty sweet. So yeah, definitely. Just jumping in both feet first and and really trying to be a part of the community is great. Um, that's, that's excellent. Um, that's the kind of the, the small part of my job. And then the other big part um, is uh, retailer support. Uh, before I was the uh, creative director at Arcane Wonders, uh, I spent nine years working retail at a friendly local game store. Uh, so I... I'm used to all of those issues. I know what's going on in game stores, or at least what has been going on in game stores. Sure. Uh, and uh, I was doing that up until last December, actually. So, um, so yeah, those are like the big three parts of my job. There are other things, but those are kind of the big three. Yeah, I've really been enjoying your work that you've been doing on uh, ArcaneWonders.com involving the Mage Wars blog posts. And kind of the different spoilers that you're setting out for Forged in Fire, which is going to be the next um, expansion to Mage Wars. So I've uh, kudos to that. I've I've found those very informative and very easy to read. So um, thank you for that. That was something we started with uh, Druid Necro. Um, I've been talking to Patrick Connor, who is our director of communications, and uh, we'd had some previews for. Conquest of Kumanjaro, but most of those were um, posts on our website of, hey, here's a new card. Take a look at it. Uh-huh. And and I was like, well, I, I came to this game basically from a background of, like, I loved uh, Versus, and I used to play like uh, competitive magic briefly, uh, and, and games like that. So sure. I was like, oh man, when they, when they start previewing cards... You know, they. You know, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more we could do. So I'm really happy that um, we've been able to do that, and the response from our players has been incredible. So uh, it's it's been a really good experience, and I'm really excited because uh, even more with uh, Fortune Fire than we did with Druid Necro, uh, we've been able to involve a lot of our playtesters in writing some of these articles, and we have some some very talented, intelligent men. Uh, doing playtesting for us, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So, as far as forged in or, or in forged in fire, the scope. What are some design considerations you have? Of course, for for those who don't know, forged in fire is of course the next Mage Wars expansion. It's going to introduce uh, maybe not two completely new mages uh, mechanically. We're getting a different warlord and a different warlock. They are two completely separate characters, and they have their own unique abilities, and there's going to be a lot of really cool new spells that really fit in nice with the theme that Tox explained on the, the past episode of the LLU podcast. Um, so, Aaron, what, what exactly are some considerations that you have from a design uh, point of view when you're coming out with a new expansion? Is that something that you really kind of weigh to make sure you're not going to uh, completely imbalance the system? Or is that, you know, of course, something that gets worked out during playtesting, I imagine? Uh, if you could elaborate on that a bit, that'd be great. Sure. Um, obviously, there are a lot of things that get worked out during playtesting. But generally speaking, when we come at uh, a new set like this, um, the biggest thing is just trying to identify the core of what we want out of the set. Uh, and for Forged and Fire, 
we wanted to really focus on uh, the warlord and the warlock. Um, the we originally it was the originally this one was set to be uh, warlock and wizard because those were the two from the base game that hadn't been redone. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really felt that the warlord needed more attention before the wizard did, uh, sure. and so we decided to to sub that one out. Um, and we figured that since uh, since Druid Necro had focused so much on the Necromancer, there are a few cards in there that are really great for Warlocks. Um, but for the most part, even though it added a bunch of dark spells, you didn't get a lot of new stuff for the Warlock. Sure. So this was an opportunity to kind of uh, to kind of give another side to that, to give some new uh, some new content for both of them. But that's kind of the the thing that we started with was we had. Um, we knew that we wanted to do those two mages. Um, one of our uh, one of our playtesters uh, actually came to us with the name for the set, and he had just a little blurb, and he was basically like, "Hey, you know, they're gonna they're gonna fight over these ores and stuff," and we we loved it, and so we really tried to just delve into the theme. Um, a lot of times when we're designing cards, uh, it's a matter of Okay, what do we, you know, what what do we want this card to be? Uh-huh. Um, and then it's a matter of figuring out what that should do. Um, like, we have a uh, we have a demon in the new set that's um, he's already been previewed, but it's the Infernian Scourger, and he's this this little demon with a Counter Strike. And originally, oh, that yes. guy started out as um, the whole idea was. Well, we wanted an angry little demon that got better when you made him your uh, your blood reaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as we we began to work with it, keeping that idea, we ended up with the Infernian Scourger that we have now, which Counter Strike works really well with Bloodthirsty. <laughs> and then you know, so he's a he's a just a crazy psycho little little demon and. Uh, he can really tear some stuff up, but generally when we when we start, it's some concept, and then it's trying to figure out how that would actually work. Um, now there are some cards that we come to and we're like, hey, we we need to do this to uh, you know to fill some gap or to try and improve some uh, some aspect of play, stuff like that. Uh, the I would say that the the preview that we just had come up uh, on the 7th is a good example. That one's an armory, and it makes all your soldiers gain one armor and one piercing. I love that that card. It's fantastic. (laughs) Um, That was a case where we we knew we wanted to continue to fill in um, these outposts that we had for the Warlord, but at the same time, we didn't want to do the same things that we had done with the first few. We really wanted to try and give something pretty substantial. Uh, so that was a case where we were really trying to fill something in. Uh, but then a lot of other times we come to it and we go, well, this is the effect we want. This is what we, we thematically want. Well, what would that be mechanically, and how do we get there? And then once we have that um, playtesting, we start tweaking it, and we kind of hone it down. Uh, to what actually ends up getting printed. 
Well, that's awesome. That's very interesting as well. Um, you've touched a little bit on the theme, and um, for those who don't know, can you go into the theme of Forged in Fire really quick? Because I really find it as a, a very compelling from a storyline perspective. And it honestly, it makes me want to dive into the role-playing aspect of Etheria a lot more. So if you guys ever want to write some art role-playing heavy books <laughs> regarding the Mage Wars universe, that'd be a lot of fun to dive into. Um but forged in fire. Uh, what's the setting? What uh, you know? What part of the world is it in? And um, maybe go into a little bit about our two mages. Sure, sure. Um, forged in fire uh, takes place in the Anvil Throne Mountains, which are to the northeast of uh, the Straywood Forest. So this is further north uh, than we've yet explored in the world of Etheria. Um, but the dwarves themselves live deep, uh, deep within the mountains. Um, dwarves in Etheria are are master smiths. They they worship uh, Isenark, who's the god of the forge. Um, he's a a god of industry and uh, engineering. Uh, but he he really wants you to build, and so that's what they that's what they've been doing. Um, and so one of the great things that they've discovered uh, is called Harshforge Iron. And Harshforge Iron is incredibly special in that it resists magical effects. Uh, so even to forge it, you have to go to great lengths. And it's taken the dwarves many years to master this, uh, uh, this method by which they can actually build stuff out of it. Because normally it resists magic uh, so uh, adamantly. Um, and because they have they have made this breakthrough, and because they have just started to um, show that off to the rest of the world, and to say, hey, this is uh, this is the brilliance that uh, that our work has wrought. Um, Adrimelech, who's the the Lord of Fire, Fire uh-huh. and the leader of the Araxian Crown, has sent his agents because he wants to take it. Um, he has his own purposes for it, and he believes that. Uh, it's uh, the key to helping him take over uh, Etheria. So that's kind of where we're, we're at right now. So that's what also leads to the two new mages actually kind of coming out uh, into the forefront. So the dwarves obviously have their own magical tradition, um, and they have, uh, uh, they have a warlord of the Anvil Throne. Um, and he's been previewed already, but... Uh, the basics on him is he can actually stamp equipment with runes when he plays them, and all of the runes have special uh, effects that can change um, the effectiveness of his equipment. So he has he has five different runes, and he can start making his stuff better the minute he plays them. And then he still has uh, commands, much like uh, the uh, Bloodwave uh, Warlord. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the Warlock is actually one specifically devoted to uh, Adrimelech. Um, and she's got she's got all sorts of abilities to actually um, to actually control fire and to increase her her potency. Um, she has an ability that that she wants that makes her want to use flaming attacks on people who are are cursed by her. Um, she has another one that helps her manipulate burn counters um and she also has one that helps uh 
helps bot, uh, heal her demons. So she's got some really cool, uh, some really cool stuff there. And I, I will say that uh, if you want to play a fire mage, then she is absolutely where it's at. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, I gotta say that the rune casting is one of the coolest, uh, both thematically and mechanically. It just it just makes so much sense for a dwarf to be able to do that, and it's it's one of those things that when I read that blog, I just kind of leaned back in my chair. I was like, uh, this is gonna be so awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, it gets even better when you see the rest of the set. I bet, um, man. I can't when wait. You, when you see uh, there's a uh, there's a chest armor for the war school because we noticed, hey, they have zero chest pieces, <laughs> and yet they're they're equipment focused. So we gave them an awesome chest piece, and once you see that, his runes uh, his runes become so much sweeter. That's cool. I can't wait. How many cards, uh, roughly, are there going to be in Forged of Fire? Uh, if memory serves, there are 41 new cards. 41 new uh, cards. And it's uh, 162 cards in the set. Okay. So, so we're, we're going to be getting some some reprints of some previous cards. I'm sure that'll be work really well with these two new mages. And I'm assuming also multiple copies of some of the cards that are coming in this next set as well. Uh, actually, the 41 cards are all new. Are all new? The, really? Except for the, there's seven cards that were promos and are now being printed for the first time in a set. Oh, cool. So, so uh, other than those, everything else is completely new. That's very um, exciting. Mage Wars fans then, are going to yeah. be very happy about that. I was completely fine with the idea of getting some more cards that are really good with those two things uh, because, you know, um, sometimes two or three just doesn't cut it. You know what I mean? No, no, I, I, I totally understand. Um, that's one of the other nice things is that um, in Conquest of Kumanjaro, we tried to change our... Uh, distribution of cards so that we could give people better sets of cards in each mm -hmm. individual set. Um, and this set continues that. If it's, uh, generally speaking, if it's a level one spell, you know, you should get uh, enough of them for you to use it in your spell book. So, and, and the same is true for pretty much everything else. You get a nice, a nice chunk of spells in here. Man, that's great. I really can't wait to take this set and just. Uh, attempt to conquer Ethereum myself with it. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of those sets that um, you know, I think can be, I don't necessarily want to say the word overlooked, but you're not getting brand new mages out of it. But the two new mages, again, mechanically are very different. Um, and I can't stress this enough, but they're very different from what we have now. Again, the Rue Lord that, uh, that you've spoken about already, Aaron, with his ability to, or rather the Warlord with the Rune uh, ability is it's something that's so different from our previous warlord it just seems like that again the themes there uh thematically it works out really well and uh it's just awesome at the end of the day which is great no the thing that i really liked uh about this set is uh you we had a chance to you know have these new mages and i'm super excited about them i like the dwarf warlords on my business card oh that's great <laughs> and it has been since since we first had the art um, but the great part is the set also gives you all these tools to use with 
the Bloodwave Warlord and the Araxian Crown Warlock. Um, one of the coolest things I, I, about this set for me is that we have three new demons that can all be Blood Reapers. So it, you actually have a really big ch choice in who you make your Blood Reaper now, as opposed to before where there were basically, you know, there were three demons, but there were really only two of them that you might ever pick. And nine times out of ten, it was the Dark Pack Slayer. Um, right. One of the cards that hasn't been pre previewed yet, um, I'll tell you right now, he is my go-to uh, Blood Reaper. He's he's amazing. No chance for a spoiler on the an exclusive spoiler, huh? <laughs> um, no, that's I'm kidding. I'm I'm not gonna say what he does, but I will say that you want to pay close attention to the Blood Demon. Just just hanging that one out there. Okay. There you go, an almost first look here. And um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term Blood Reaper, it is a warlock ability where you can put it on a, um, a demon creature that you have that's non-legendary, so it necessarily wouldn't work for um, Adramelech. Am I saying that right? I've always said Adremelech, Adremelech? but um, I'm uh, now that I think about it, I don't know. I've never actually looked up his pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Warlock is actually going to lose a little bit of life whenever he comes into play, but that Demon is going to get the Bloodthirsty 2 trait, um, and he's going to be able to, um, uh, if it attacks, I believe, was it a living creature, the Warlock can heal from that? Uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah. It's if they damage a living creature, the Warlock gets to heal too. Yeah, and that's so just... he cuts off a little of his life to to ha make this guy fiercer and have a way to regenerate. Yeah, it's and, pretty sweet. And then the bloodthirsty two trade is if a creature has already been damaged, you get bonus damage dice to throw in there. It's just, it's just nasty. And if uh, it's if it's alive and damaged, you you really get to cut loose on it. <laughs> those poor those poor dwarves. Uh, I I don't I don't know about those poor dwarves. I mean they they do have some. <laughs> Some pretty sweet stuff. Uh, is um, or any of Grimson's cousins or anything like that making an appearance in this set? No, unfortunately, Grimson and uh, uh, Boltstorm, uh, they don't have any other relatives coming to play quite yet. Okay. Um, we we actually see um, we actually see more of some of the the other Bloodwave guys. Um, I will say there is another legendary dwarf, and he's pretty cool. Um, awesome. I actually, now that I think about it, I think he was in our, our presentation at Gamma. Uh, but he's a he's a dwarven engineer, and so he can like repair walls and stuff, and he can reinforce things. So he's pretty oh, that sweet. That sounds cool. That sounds really cool. Um, I can't. I can't. When I when I go into role playing games, if I can be a dwarf, I generally try to be. Um, just because they're so fun to play, and uh, uh, dwarven culture has always been one that I've been uh, very drawn to. So I'm very excited to check those guys out whenever we get them. Uh, it's going to be fun. Awesome. Um, for the last part of this, Aaron, I, I wanted to talk about um, people who may be new to Mage Wars. I know I'm like I, I was telling you uh, when we talked last week. I'm demoing Mage Wars once a week, maybe twice a week, and uh, showing people how the game works and things like that. And a lot of the times, um, you can get a bit of a, they can get a bit of a system shock when they just look at all the different tokens and the, how big the board is and just the grand scale of the game. 
and uh, it can be a little bit daunting. So I wanted to talk a bit about strategies, specifically for new players, and maybe focus, uh, maybe step back from Fortune of Fire a bit and focus on core set heroes first, and talk a bit sure. about uh, the Priestess, the Wizard, the Warlock, and the um, Beastmaster, and uh, some of what you like to do um, with with those particular mages. Sure, sure. Um, the best thing I can say for anyone new, uh, and this this goes beyond Mage Wars, but any game that's customizable like this, um, have a plan. Uh, have a plan and stick to it. That yeah. that'll really help you narrow your choices. But then, be flexible once you've had a chance to experience it. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to change things around. Um, and in my experience, that's the best way to figure out what you actually want is to, you know, go go after your uh, your theme effectively, and then uh, after that, start fiddling with it to make it actually run smooth. Um, that's that's and that's, great and that's that, and that's general. Yeah. Um, but it it definitely holds true for Mage Wars. Now, as far as um, the core set uh, mages. Um, I'll probably start with the one that I played the most of in playtesting, and that was the Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, for me, when I t- get the Straywood Beastmaster, I try and have something uh, in mind as my pet, um, because the pet ability is really potent, uh, and where you decide to use it changes the tempo and theme of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really there's really three ways you could use it. One is on something super cheap, um, like a Bitterwood Fox or a Thunderous Falcon. Um, and at that point, you're forcing them to use resources to kill something that's normally inconsequential, but you've made it beefy, and that has, that has merit. Um, the second one is you can take something really huge and make it bigger. Mm-hmm. So go for uh, Steel Claw Grizzly. Oh, um, that'd be nasty. <laughs> and and at that point they are pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, but what I normally do is I go right in the middle. I do the wolf. Um, uh, the Timberwolf is the Timberwolf is possibly one of the best creatures in the game. He's no frills, nothing exciting, but he is a workhorse and he will get the job done. You make him your pet, and that's rock solid. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I, than, I. Oh, sorry, Aaron. Go ahead. No. Um, other than that, I. This is this is crazy, but I like to steal the uh, Highland Unicorn. I like to use the Highland Unicorn as my pet. Okay. <laughs> because it's an it's an animal. It gives all of my creatures regenerate. It has regenerate, and giving it plus three health, plus one armor, and plus one attack. Uh, makes it pretty threatening. Um, the only downside there is you have to spend six spell points on it, um, when you could just spend two spell points on a Timberwolf. So, um, you know, there's a give and take there, but I will say uh, I've, I've had good success with that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I, I, one of my part- favorite openings and one that really kind of puts pressure early on is a uh, is a turn one Timberwolf into a pet. And then from there, just kind of just really slowly stalking them um, and seeing what happens from there. I, I usually try to um, bait opponents into doing things that would get them off their game plan 
Um, you know, one thing you said at the beginning of this is get a game plan and stick with it. Um, I'm one of those opponents who will try to try to think of what you're going to do and then see how I can interrupt that, see if I can get you frazzled, and then send my wolves in for the attack. Um, but you get the timber wolf, and then you get the, what, the red claw alpha out as well, which will make the other wolves stronger, and it just gets gross. No, red claw is really great because the the Beastmaster can summon level one creatures as a quick action. Mm -hmm. So if you make a Timberwolf your pet and then you just keep moving towards your opponent, once you have a square that they don't want to leave, then you can just, you know, attack with your turn and then quick action, uh, your quick quick cast, and toss down uh, another bitter claw and another bitter claw and another bitter claw. Bitterwood, sorry. Bitterwood. Uh-huh. Bitterwood Fox. Uh, and then Red Claw is going to give them all one armor, one melee. Um, and things can add up pretty quick from there. Sure. Um, another thing that's one of my favorites with the Beastmaster is uh, March for Death. Anytime you have multiple uh, multiple creatures out there, um, Marked for Death really starts adding up because it adds one extra die for the first attack that each creature is going to make each round against whoever you've marked. Um, and that's an and incantation, so right? Mage, uh, it's an enchantment. It's an enchantment? Okay. Yeah, so it stays out. So you, you get that on your opponent, and then, you know, suddenly, you know, you have that out, you have Red Claw out, and then your Bitterwood Foxes are attacking for five dice each. Oof. Um, then they become <laughs> a little bit scarier. Yeah, for sure. That's a potential 10 damage, man. That's That's a bad day for anything. Absolutely. Um, okay, so um, talked a bit about the Beastmaster. How about how about the Wizard? Um, I think the Wizard is one of the more advanced, um, if that's the right word, but one of the more advanced mages from the core set. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the biggest benefit the Wizard has is flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, he has lots of tools at his disposal. Um, but the thing is, if you don't grab the right one at the right time... Um, you're really missing out on playing him to his full potential. Um, so with that in mind, uh, the to me, the best way to start with a wizard um, is to uh, focus on uh, what he's already good at, which he's going to have you know, great channeling. He's got some pretty solid creatures, uh, but they all need support, which mm-hmm. he can give it to them. Um, and he has a really good spawn point. Um, the gate to Voltari uh, is really solid. Um, and a lot of times I've seen openings of gate to Voltari, uh, harmonized gate to Voltari. Um, so then it's it's channeling two around, and then it gains mana every time your opponent casts a spell. Um, and then it's just a matter of being able to make good use of your creatures. So if you get out... Um, if you get out of Darkfin Hydra, it's all about using your spells to get that Hydra in the right place so that it can, you know, throw down a triple strike. Oh, um, man. I've got I've, know, it's... I've gotten a, uh, a Hydra just teleported right into my face for a triple strike one time. It was, it was a lot of fun, but uh, not, not good for me in the end. No, uh, Hydra, Hydra is pretty brutal. Um, I will say that um, the one one of the things that I've seen a lot of people do is uh, because the the core set wizards creatures um, 
for the most part, need a little bit of assistance. He has a lot of slow creatures, mm -hmm. um, and the ones that aren't slow don't hit so hard. Um, so sometimes they'll go out of school to grab a, a good creature. And I will say it right now, Wizard plus Grizzly Bear. It's a thing. Okay. It's really good. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Grizzly Wizards. Yeah, no, there. I know there's a, a guy on the forum. He loves his uh, his grizzly wizards. Oh, that's and awesome. And they're solid. And what is it? Is grizzly a level three creature? That's a level four. A level four creature. So that's going to cost him what? Uh, eight points. Eight points to put in the book. Okay. Yep. Um, it's yes. yeah. It's it's eight points to put in the book. But the the one of the big benefits of the wizard is uh, he has so much utility that he. He has in school, and then depending on which uh, elemental school you pick, uh, gives you some really good support options. So you can save a lot of spell points elsewhere to be able to to spend them on, you know, splurge on, you know, creatures or, uh, you know, other things. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, how about the uh, priestess um, for those looking for those looking to heal? The priestess, um, basically there's two big ways you can open up with her. Um, one of them is you can try and, basically you're trying to build for the future, and you mm -hmm. focus on the uh, the Temple of Osira. Mm -hmm. um, so you can throw down Temple of Osira, harmonize it. Then next round, since it has two mana, it can cast a creature, and then you can cast a creature. So you cast two... Um, uh, a siren clerics, uh -huh. uh, and then every turn after that, they just pray to the temple. Um, if your opponent, effectively, if your opponent lets you get away with that, things can get out of hand really quick. Um, the downside is because it takes two rounds to get that set up correctly to where it's working uh, full steam. The, your opponent has plenty of time to actually try and come over and do something about it. Um, or he can just invest in his own creatures and kind of come after you. So it's uh, it's a tough one to work, but that's one option. Um, the other way you can go is, you know, just spend your first couple turns, you know, summon a couple Knights of Westlock or like a Knight of Westlock and a, um, a Royal Archer, and then support them. Because if there's one thing that the Priestess is good at, it's supporting her creatures, removing uh, conditions, healing, uh, she can she can really take care of them. Oh yeah. Um, and the Knight of Westlock is pound for pound one of the best creatures in the game. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, five dice attack, three armor, and a defense. Uh, he's really solid. Um, and as far as legendaries go, I am a sucker for Brogan. Oh, Brogan's so great. Brogan. Yeah, he's so great. You 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 do not run away from him. Yeah. Um, or I should say. <laughs> I should say, like, armor doesn't matter, defenses don't matter. If he wants to kill you and you're next to him, he, he is probably going to kill you, yep. which is awesome. But since he only has high armor and he doesn't have regeneration or anything else to keep him alive, he really needs the priestess to, to support him. Sure. Uh, but simply throwing out Brogan and then getting a divine protection on him uh, so that he has a uh, Aegis, so that attacks against him have one less die... That's when you're when you're rocking four armor to begin with. Removing one die from the equation is awesome. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I'd also toss in um, having a couple archers there as well, maybe to um, sit back at the temple, um, 
where your clerics are praying. Um, so if they're where they are charging, you can get a couple of them, uh, get a couple shots on them before they reach you, uh, which could be nice. Unless they're fast, and then then you just hope they're squishy, <laughs> which generally I think fast creatures are, right? I don't know. Um, most of them. I don't know. If uh, too many Cerevere is kind of beefier. He's the he's the big panther has has an awesome defense and then he's fast and elusive. That's right. So if he wants to get to you, he's going to. Yeah, I lovingly call him uh, Guinevere. Um, for <laughs> not the only one I've heard yeah. that from. Yeah, it's just it's just an easy connection to make. I think at the end of the day, awesome panther, awesome panther. Um, so the only one we really haven't talked about, and we kind of did at the beginning, is is the warlock. Um, so for the um, for the base core warlock, I, I really love playing him very curse heavy, and uh, of course getting a blood reaper out there and just seeing how it goes and get the lash of hellfire, and uh, what is it the the ring of fire that gives you bonus damage to any fire attacks, and then just the fire shaper ring. Fire shaper ring, thank you. Um, and then just go into town with that. I think that's a very uh, Beastmaster and Warlock are the two easiest to get in, and generally when I demo, I, I try to pair them up um, because they're very uh, they're very competitive with one another, and also the you can you can introduce somebody to the game without having to um, really blow their mind with all the different kinds of spells with just using the um, the, the core uh, spell books for both of those characters. Um, anything special with the Warlock that you'd like to do? Special things with the warlock. Um, obviously, I, I'm a big fan of the Battle Forge, but I'm a big fan of the Battle Forge with most people. Mm -hmm. um, just because being able to throw out that extra equipment is really nice. And like you said, Lash of Hellfire is amazing. That's so good. Um, the, one of the big things is Lash of Hellfire makes it so that um, Battle Fury is really good on the warlock. Um, simply because it gives you multiple instances where you'll be able to trigger burn. Mm -hmm. So for five mana, you'll be able to attack twice and uh, get you know your chance to burn or double burn on both of those. So that's really that's really solid. Oh, that's um, great. In that's general, great. in general, uh, the warlock. It's either start out with a Dremelec or start out with uh, um, the. Dark Pack Slayer, mm -hmm. and make him your Blood Reaper. Because um, I find that the the Warlock, no matter how awesome he is, most of the time he cannot get it done by himself. He needs another threat on the table, and those are both rock solid. And I will say, if you can Battle Fury, uh, if you can Battle Fury a Dremelec, that's pretty dang sweet, too. Yeah, I bet. So, With his sweeping attack, I bet he'll just uh, make well, mince you get the, those. The battle period attack has to be his quick action. Oh, but that's right. Simply being able to go uh, a six die attack with a chance to burn, followed by a six die attack with a chance to burn. Uh, that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's pretty nasty. solid. Absolutely. Well, well that's great. Um, I think these are all really good ways to start out with these core mages, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to lend us some of that expertise. Oh, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Um, is there anything else from Arcane Wonders that you'd like to uh, talk about on this on this particular episode? Um, well, just something odd that kind of happened to me today. Um, our 
over the weekend, it was my thousandth post in the forum, so we decided to do something kind of interesting. And uh, we asked the members of the forums to build my spellbook that I would play tonight. Okay. Because uh, I just came from a, a game night at a local store. Um, the spellbook they decided to have me build is a warlord with skeletons. Okay. And I got to play that tonight, and it was actually really fun. Oh, that's great. So, so yeah, I'm hoping to uh, I'm hoping to try and convince some other people to uh, to let the form build them a deck too, well, a spellbook. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, Aaron, it was really fun. Well, Aaron, I, I appreciate your time, man. Um, I definitely uh, we generally try to keep these to a half hour, so uh, thanks for sticking around for an extra ten with us. Uh, we certainly appreciate that. Hope everybody listening to this particular episode got a lot of useful information. Um, Forged in Fire is going to be an excellent expansion, and again, I've said it before: if you're not already playing Mage Wars, shame on you. Get to it immediately. Um, go to your local game store. See if anybody's playing it there. If not, um, you can definitely try to uh, find a friend online or something like that at arcanewonders.com or even the Board Game Geek Mage Wars community is still pretty strong. So um, I think I've said it uh, many times, but I think Mage Wars is going to be one of the really, really big games, um, both competitive and just kind of friendly at the local game stores in the next couple of years. So. Um, and it already is. If you play it, you can see where all the strategy comes and why I can't quit talking about it. So, um, Aaron, again, thank you for your time. Uh, we had Aaron Brosman uh, on the uh, podcast today. He's the creative director at Arcane Wonders. And, Aaron, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, uh, would you recommend them just going to the Arcane Wonders website and hitting up the forums and reaching out to you there? Or do you have a Twitter handle or anything like that? Uh, if you if you just find me on the forums, that's that. You know, I generally respond to all of those that I get. Um, I'm Latin fans on the forums, so I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome, buddy. Well, I appreciate it again. Thank you for your time. Um, you guys, if you will, uh, please spread the word about the podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, I would really love it if you did that. Um, we are at www.letslevelup.net. All of our information is on there. Again, with links to the podcast, both on iTunes and Stitcher, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, so... Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And Aaron, again, thank you for your time, buddy. It's a pleasure.